Welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers, giving you the motivation and inspiration you need to make the most of your later years. Whether you're still in the planning stages or you're several years in, we'll share stories from boomers who refuse to act their age and continue to live a life inspired. Let them show you how being old can be new if you know what to do with your host, Terry Lorbeer. Hello and welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers. My guest today is Michelle Fishburne. Michelle's life turned upside down during the COVID 2020 spring when she lost her job and could not find another, notwithstanding months of trying. At the end of July 2020, when the lease on her post-divorce house was up and her youngest was going off to college, Michelle found herself with Without a house, a spouse, a job, or a kid to take care of. That is what she did not have. What she did have was a 2006 motorhome, tons of curiosity, and a lot of experience RVing all over the country. Welcome, Michelle. How are you today? Thank you, Terry. I'm excited to be on and talking with you. It'll be fun. Yeah, and this is such a great topic, so I'm excited about it. (laughs) So, Michelle, you're known as the Ageless RV Nomad. Tell us how you earned that title. Well, we'll start with the easy part, which is the RV. (laughs) Right, right. So I'm in my RV right now. I'm a full-time RV dweller, I guess you could say. Um, But that happened by happenstance. Um, As you were saying, in 2020, when I lost my job, I woke up on August 1st without a house, a spouse, a job or a kid to take care of anymore. That's what (laughs) I didn't have. But what I did have was this 2006 motorhome, because I had homeschooled and road schooled my kids in it. Um, my parents were full-time motorhomers for seven years. And when my kids were four and seven, we got this motorhome and I met my parents out on the road and I road schooled my kids for 10 months, best 10 months of my life. And then we did it again two years later for four months. And we went from national park to national park. And it was a wonderful opportunity for me to spend time with my parents, with me as an adult. I really enjoy them. And then it was a great opportunity for my kids to bond with my parents and learn from them. And my husband would fly out to all these gorgeous places and meet us, places we couldn't afford to fly four of us to, especially with the kids being so young. It would have been a waste of money to drag a four-year-old all across the United States via plane. Right. So so, um, that was a lovely part of my life. And my my parents came to that naturally. My mom's father, actually, in 1933, when he lost his job, just like I lost mine. Wow. uh, He lost his during the Great Depression. He moved in. He and my grandmother moved into a trailer and they lived in the trailer for three years. And there's a newspaper article of them making tea at the stove, all dressed up. And they're saying how much they had enjoyed living in it. And they knew they were going to move into a house, but they were figuring they got to keep the trailer because they loved it. So I'm a third generation full timer. Um, so that is the RV part. The nomad part is that I really um, I'm a kind of a buffet person in life. I really like to try lots of different things. And the nice thing about being a nomad is that 
I get to change things up all the time. And I have, um, I, I now do have a job. I am employed and I have a remote, hundred percent remote job. So I can work from wherever I want to work. Our entire company is remote. And um, usually I can work whatever hours I want to work unless there's a meeting. So, um, so I'm a digital nomad working and living uh, on the road and I live in my RV. And now the ageless part, I think as we all are saying these days, it's kind of getting overused, but age is just a number. And I don't feel a day older than about, well, I don't feel 18. I think I, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I don't feel about a day older than about 30. So, um, it's a good age. That's a good age. It took me till I was about 30 to know who I thought I was, but then the, one of my favorite things about life Mm -hmm. and in terms of getting older and you were, you were going to ask me about, you know, what would be a leave behind for other boomers is one of the best things I've learned is that when life changes and it does, it does. It does. It actually gives you an opportunity to see another version of yourself, which is so much fun. And so I think of us as kaleidoscopes. We each are born with a certain collection of, you know, colorful pieces at the end of that thing. And and so we see one version of ourselves as a student when we're younger. And mm-hmm. then you turn it 5%, you see another version of yourself. And sometimes... Uh, the version of yourself that you see is not because of a change that you have sought or it just has happened to you, um, but you get an opportunity to see another version of yourself. And so I love my nomad life because things happen and I get to see myself in a different light many times during the year. Yes. And you get to meet so many different people along the way, which is also exciting. Yes, yes. And so what happened when I moved into the motorhome in 2020 mm-hmm. is I was really curious about how people were doing all over the United States. And so I thought, well, instead of just keeping my motorhome in one place, I'll use the wheels on it. I'll drive all over the United States and I'll I'll interview people about what their lives are like. And so I interviewed about 300 people, most of them face to face all over the United States between September 2020 and September 2021. And I asked all of them the same wow. question, which was, it's January 1st, 2020. And then I would pause because usually their eyes would go like this. Right. <laughs> the before <laughs> times. Right. Um, it's January 1st, 2020. What was your 2020 supposed to be like? And what did it end up being like through to the present? And usually people would talk for 30 or 45 minutes. And I would capture the whole transcript on my phone with a transcription app. And then um, it was just supposed to be a project. But people kept saying, this is a book. This is a book. (laughs) So now it's a book. UNC Press and Duke University Center for Documentary Studies is publishing this. Oh, that's great. Who we are now, stories of what Americans lost and found. They're publishing it in hard copy on March 14th. And so now I'm going to be an author, but that was not a version of the kaleidoscope I had ever expected. And and I'm not an author. I did not write their stories. Mm -hmm. I just am a story collector. Yes. And so it ended up in a book. 
Yes. But that's so great because who we are now, because COVID totally changed everyone, everyone, some more drastically than others, but it really did change all of us. All of us in some way. Yes. So tell us a little bit about some of the people you interviewed and if there's any like stories that really stand out that you want to share with us, that would be great. Well, so so this woman named uh, Joy who I met in St. Louis, she owns a barbershop in downtown St. Louis. And I know. And the day that I interviewed her was her 70th birthday. Great. And she had been cutting hair in St. Louis since she was 23. So when COVID happened and she couldn't keep the barbershop open, in any event, all of the businesses downtown were closed. So all of her customers couldn't come. Uh, She couldn't make any money, but she thought, oh, I'll relax. And, you know, I'm going to be selling my business soon and retiring. So this is what it'll be like. So she spent a lot of uh, relaxing time. And then she thought, what the heck? I'm not (laughs) retiring. I'm not (laughs) selling the business. This is miserable. So her her takeaway is, I'm, you know, I'm going to have this barbershop until I drop was basically her takeaway, which was pretty fabulous um i have another uh, i have a friend actually from law school who when i went to interview her she said oh i don't have a story <laughs> and i said maria i'm pretty sure everybody has a story everybody has a story absolutely and she, <laughs> and she said no and i said well, just walk me through the year she says okay well in january i was very depressed i suffer from clinical depression and i had done everything i could think of to shake this one and i'd had it since about october And nothing was working. Mm -hmm. She said, but then with lockdown, I had no more fear of missing out and I couldn't do much and I couldn't plan things and I couldn't future worry. She said, so I just kind of settled into cooking and and crafting. And she said, and 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 my depression went away and it was lovely. And then she said, oh, (laughs) I I guess (laughs) that's funny. (laughs) I guess I guess I guess, you know, I did get something. And so now. She has she understands that when she gets in that spot again, that mm-hmm. she needs to still herself and and try to do for herself what lockdown did for her. Yes. Yes. And lockdown did that for a lot of people. And also your first story. Was it Joy that had the barbershop? Yes. That so many people, when they retire, they, they think, oh, it's going to be great. I'm going to relax. I'm going to be able to play golf. I'm going to have lunch with friends. I'm, And after they do that for a year, they go, this is not what I thought it was. (laughs) And it's not working. I need more motivation than that. So a lot of them do, even though they don't go back to work full time, they look for another outlet, something that they can do because we're creative people. And when we're not creating, life just isn't the same. So I'm so happy she realized that before she sold the business because then it would have been a big, oh, no, now what? (laughs) That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And and you were saying we're all creative. And and I remember the first time somebody said to me, oh, you're a creative. And I thought, no, I don't do crafts. I can't draw, you know. And but now I'm starting to realize that all of us, all of us are creative. Yes. And um, that's one of the biggest joys in life is is how we create community or how we create friendships or how we how we create our lives. Um, And so I do think we all are creative and um, 
Uh, I, I'm glad that we don't talk about being creative the way we used to. That meant, oh, I can draw or sing right. or, you know. Right. I can paint. I can draw. I do crafts. Being creative is way more than that. Way more yes. than that. And we're all creative in different ways. That's right. Like some women are just very creative at making a beautiful home and they set a beautiful table and, you know, yes. or they know how to cook and they, their presentation of the food. I mean, everyone has a different talent. Some people make their own clothes and, you know, like I wound up making my own wedding dress only because I was in Germany at the time and their wedding gowns were horrible. <laughs> so I said, well, then I'm just going to make one. So I got an American pattern. They sold them over there and I made my own dress. It wasn't probably what I would have picked, but it was way better than what was available. So, <laughs> so we're all creative in different ways. And I guess we go through different stages when we're maybe more creative than others. But sure. yeah, we definitely are all very creative. So um, your motto was, please move my cheese. Yes. What does that mean to you? What, what's that all about? <laughs> do you remember that book, Who Moved My Cheese? Yes, I do. I do. Okay. And I just for those of your listeners who have never read it, first of all, it's a very short book and it's important. And it's a, but, but I'll distill the lesson for it to this. Mm -hmm. Basically, this is the premise. There are two mice who every day run through this maze to get to a little part of it where they get their cheese. And one day the little mice run through the maze and they get to the little spot and there's no cheese. <laughs> the next day they go back. No cheese. Over and over again. So finally, Joe, the mouse, looks at Fred, the mouse, and says, hey, Fred, I don't think the cheese is coming back. And Fred <laughs> says, oh, yes, it is. Oh, yes, it is. And Joe said, you know, I'm not going to wait for it. I'm going to go out into the maze. And um, I know there's some other cheese out there. It might not be the same cheese. I might not like it as much. I might like it even more. I'm going to go out and explore the maze and go look for cheese. And Fred says, okay, see ya. And Joe goes out into maze. So, so that is what Who Moved My Cheese is all about, which is our cheese gets moved during life. It just does. And, and it's how you react to it. Do you stay and wait? Or do you say, I have confidence in who I am, my right. ability to be creative and be resourceful, and I will find another cheese. And so um, this goes back to the kaleidoscope. So actually ties in kind of beautifully because my motto is please move my cheese because <laughs> every time my cheese is moved, my kaleidoscope gets turned right. and I have to see a different version of myself, which is wonderful because, you know, I think if my cheese didn't get moved, um, I would just get comfy and a lot of things would stay the same. And then I would not be able to see all these different aspects of myself. Right. And you wouldn't have all the opportunities. Like you interviewed 300 people. That's amazing. And then you put some of it into a book and you never would have done that. That never would have happened. No, no. And I'm really excited about the 100 people's stories who are in the book. They're all first person. And mm -hmm. the book is such an easy read. It's between 400 and 1200 words per story. Mm -hmm. And I've heard that is like a roller coaster because which each story, you don't know what you're going to get. Right. Um, and it doesn't the book doesn't have photos in it because the whole idea is to see ourselves in each other's stories. 
Yes. And if you have photos, that doesn't happen as easily. Um, so that's exciting. But like my next, so I, I am intentionally moving my cheese from my next chapter. Okay. So, my, so, so, the, so the book is coming out on March 14th. Uh-huh. And so there'll be the whole sort of going around and talking about this book. But in the midst of this, I'm going to work on the next book, which is I'm going to interview people who have unusual lives like mine. People who live in school buses and, um, you know, lighthouses and tree houses and who live full time on boats and maybe even the people who live full time on huge cruise ships um, or whatever. (laughs) So I know. So I'm really excited about that because I think that is going to be so much fun. Oh, that'll be really unusual people. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, it sounds like you've gotten used to change and you're comfortable with it. And I think more of us need to do that because change seems to throw people some people all out of whack and they don't know what to do. Like they get divorced and they fall apart for years. It's like, oh, poor me. And instead of saying, okay, that chapter of my life is over. What's next? Like, you know, there's another whole life out there and I can make it wonderful if I want. I don't need to fall apart and go, oh, poor me. And a death, you know, you lose a spouse. That can be life altering. But again, you have to say, okay, it happened. I'm grieving because you're going to be grieving for a long time. But now what? Now I have to build a new life on my own. And you can do it, right? Well, so, yeah, I mean, it didn't, I didn't get into this like cheery attitude about all this uh, right, right. naturally. Um, so it, uh, right after that, that all happened in August, 2020, I was in a beautiful place. I took my daughter to an Airbnb in Hilton Head. Okay. It was before she went off to college and I was sitting by the ocean and it was a gorgeous day. And I said, I just felt like the rest of my life was going to be gray that um that i i no longer was married and that made me sad and i no longer had little kids to take care of and that made me sad and i didn't have a career i used to be an international trade attorney when i was in my 20s before i had kids and so wow. i was just doing jobs you know while i was coming out of being a homeschool mom um and so everything looked bleak to me and i sat there with my toes in the water on this beautiful day saying I don't care if I live another day. I mean, I cared about it because I knew I need to be there for my kids. But if right. my, but if it, for just for me, I could have been like, goodbye, this is fine. Right. And, I, and so everything felt bleak. And when I thought about the future, it felt gray and uninviting and uninspiring. And I would never have been able to know that on that day, how I was going to be able to pick myself up by the bootstraps and create a new life for myself and be my own champion and be my own hero. And, uh, and I rescued myself and I, 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 that, you know, it's kind of wonderful that it happened. That is Um, wonderful. And the thing is you, RVing was in your past. It was a big part of you. So you gravitated to that first, which was great. When I've always been in sales from the time I've been in my 20s. So, and I always wanted to be an inspirational speaker. So, 
speaking and getting up in front of groups. I love that. That's something I really love. So when podcasting started, I just started listening when I walk because I wanted to have something to do. And but it, and then I got cancer. So then I was listening to more podcasts mm. and it just became a bigger. And then all of a sudden I said, you know what? I can do this. I love talking. I love interviewing people. I can do this. And so I became a new me, something that I wanted to do when I was younger, but it just never happened. And then, you know, you have to be willing to change. You have to be willing to learn. But it's so exciting being a podcaster and interviewing people and meeting people like you. I meet so many wonderful people and it's great. And that wouldn't have happened if I you know, maybe my cancer played a little bit of a part in that. And, you know, I had started walking right before I was diagnosed with cancer. And I started listening to podcasts when I walk because that was the perfect time. And again, it's all like you could do it now. I listened to my on my phone. I didn't even need anything else with me. It just turned on your podcast from your phone and you listen. It was great. So it's it just that changed my life. And then I just but when change happens, it is it can be very um, upsetting and it can make us sad. But then we move on and we say, OK, now there's something else that's going to happen in my life. And you have to be out whether it's a death or it's cancer or you lose a job. I mean, you had a ton of stuff happening at the same time. Your daughter went off to college. That's very disruptive for most moms. Then you you got divorced and you lost your job. I mean, you lost three big things all at once. So that was very difficult to deal with, but you did. So in the house and the, I mean, I and said, the house, it, it, that's the, right. The, 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 thing, the thing is that there was no, there was, it made no sense to turn around. I mean, everything came down to the moment when I thought, okay, where am I going to tell the movers to put my stuff? <laughs> right. So there I am on July 15th, the movers are coming on July 31st and they want to know where are we moving this stuff to? Right. And it made no sense to get, an apartment anywhere because I didn't know where I'd have to go to get a job since I'd had four months or five months of failure in trying to get a job, even though I looked all over the country. And right. so I thought, well, I can't, that's stupid to get an apartment. So I really was, yeah, no house, no spouse, <laughs> no job and no kid to take care of, which had been my job for those 20 for 20 years. Right. A lot of changes, a lot of changes. And most women have trouble dealing with even one of those at a time. And then COVID on top of it, because COVID just made everything more. So you really were hit with a lot and you really bounced back. And you're amazing that you what you've been, been able to accomplish in a short amount of time with all of those changes. Well, one of the things that somebody said to me on the road, a woman who runs a nonprofit, she said to me at one point when I was interviewing her, action is the antidote to fear. And I thought, I'll be doggone. She is right. Like, and so yes. that's what I did when I got behind that motorhome. Right. And I started just driving like run fast, run. <laughs> when I started, when I started driving, it was action and the fear started to recede because I was doing something right. And I, and I didn't know where it was going, but I was doing something. And then another person I spoke with who was a yoga instructor, she said something that was important too, which was that whenever there is scarcity in your life, there's also abundance in another part of your life. And so instead of focusing on the scarcity, 
think about what you have in abundance and see if you can use that to try to get to the same goal that, that, you know, or to address that scarcity. And so for me, the scarcity was I didn't have a job and the abundance was I had time and talent and experience driving the motorhome all over the United States and the motorhome and curiosity about how other people were doing. So I use that abundance, which I would not have had if I'd had a job, right? I no. use that abundance and it solved the job issue. Right. And my dad actually is a, was a rocket scientist and he helped save the astronauts on Apollo 13. Wow, that's and, amazing. And wow. he, he used the scarcity and abundance thing too. So if mm -hmm. you watched Apollo 13, the, the lunar module and the command module came in together and they weren't supposed to, right? We we're supposed to leave the lunar module on the moon. Right. So the, it was at the perfect trajectory and they didn't have enough electricity because the you know coffee pot couldn't run up anything more than a coffee pot. If you watch mm -hmm. the movie, they couldn't use the motors on the lunar module to separate them. So they had to figure out a way to separate them without changing the trajectory because it had changed it too shallow. They would have skimmed off the earth's atmosphere. If they had changed it too deep, they would have burned up on the way in. So it mm. had to be just, they had to separate them without any change. Ugh. So my dad and his colleagues said to themselves, okay, what do we have? What we don't have is electricity. Mm -hmm. That's enough to run the motors. What do we have? Well, the guys didn't use the oxygen canisters on the moon because we never landed on the moon. Is there something we can do with those oxygen canisters to achieve the same result? So, when you blow up a balloon, right, and you go that it makes that funny noise, but then right. when you let it go, the balloon goes backwards. Yep. So they went ahead and calibrated exactly how much oxygen to release in the chamber between the lunar module and the command module at and the rate. And then at the perfect moment, they opened up the chamber and the lunar module just floated away oh my gosh that is amazing scarcity and abundance and if and you know they also say to you if you're ever lost in the forest stop sit down and stop mm -hmm. and think and that's a scarcity and abundance thing too you don't know where you are but you got this right right and so scarcity and abundance it can take you a long way to think about it and what times when you're stuck yeah. Now, another question I thought about is when you got in, were you afraid to be on the road by yourself? Because when you traveled before, you had other people with you. So were you afraid to be out there on your own? No, no. I think having but, done it for 14 months, I was totally fine. I mean, when I went, I had a four year and seven year old. I don't know how much they could have helped me if something had happened. Right. 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 Um, <laughs> um, when I did it with my parents, I always went to national parks or state parks or commercial campgrounds. And so when I did it and that, you know, for who we are now, um, I also did that. Now, I have since learned that there's something called Harvest Hosts where you can join the, for $100. You can join this network of uh, farms, breweries, wineries, museums where you can stay with them for the night. So now I, I love doing that. And I stay at alpaca farms and ostrich farms and breweries. And it's great fun. And I feel very safe there, too. Um, and have I done a Walmart or a uh, Cracker Barrel? Yes. 
Yes, I have done a Cracker Barrel when I don't know where I want to stop for the night. And Mm -hmm. I think maybe I can go a couple more hours without getting tired. And so I feel very safe in the Cracker Barrels. And then I came down here when my parents' home got, I'm in Fort Myers right now, when my parents' home got hit by Hurricane Ian this uh, fall. And so when I was around here helping them, um, I stayed in Walmarts because all of the campgrounds were um, either destroyed or destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. Or full. Wow. So, yeah. Well, you know, when my daughter left college, well, first she went into the Peace Corps and was in the Czech Republic for a couple of years, learned to speak fluent Czech. Then she came back here and she bought this um, Volkswagen bus, but just a small one. And she traveled the United States in that bus. Same thing, went to all the national parks and her bus didn't have a kitchen or a shower or anything. So she had to stay in places where she could shower or cook and do other stuff. And she stayed in a lot of Walmart parking lots as well. And we were worried as can be, but she was perfectly fine. And whenever she had a problem, she met the most wonderful people that would help her. She never had a problem. People were so willing to help her. So that's one of the things about when I went out for who we are now, it was in the fall of 2020, which you may recall was an election year. And yes, um, and we all were pretty convinced that our nation was very, very divided and that these a lot of these divides would make it very uncomfortable for people who were of one persuasion to talk with a person who's of another persuasion. And we really were we at this point where we had huge walls between each other. And I, I didn't know what the answer was when I started out. I mm-hmm. was I was really, really concerned. And uh, it's just what you were saying, Terry. You know, one on one, we are so good to each other. Yes. And 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 uh, it was a very welcoming country that I went across. And, um, you know, I think we're still there. I have to tell you that um, after I got done with interviews, most people said to me, how is everybody else doing? People wanted to know about each other. Yeah. And um, they really cared. And they said, you know, we I had multiple people say, I wish we would just get rid of social media. I wish we would get rid of those couple of those news stations because they're just pitting us against each other for their own commercial profits. They don't care about us. They're just trying to get us at opposite ends of the boxing ring and just throwing us together for the drama. And um, they said, you know, they're not helping us. And we, 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 we want our country to be more like we think it is, which is neighbors, right? Yeah. And it is that way when you're out and about, it really is that way. So it's not the way the news portrays us. It's really not. They're just taking every little incident and making it bigger than life. And they keep pounding us with the day after day after day, instead of bringing out the good and the good people. They don't want to do that. That doesn't sell. It doesn't sell. Yeah. So people really are amazing and, and people will help you. They love to help other people. Um, and during COVID, they were helping their neighbors and all. So it, it really is a very wonderful country. I agree. And, and you know, that's, that's saying we are all walking each other home. Yes. We are. Yes. We are. And, you know, if you pause and spend a little bit of time and sit with another person, no matter how different they are, mm-hmm. we're all walking each other home. It's that yeah. simple. 
Yeah. Well, when I was 20, I went to Germany to stay for a year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I found out then that we're all alike. We all want the same things, no matter what country you're in. And I don't care what country you go to. Everyone wants a family, a job, a home. We want the same things. So we're all alike. And I learned that very young, which was good. Um, so it was an amazing to be over there a year. And my family came from Germany. So I was going back to be with, uh, you know, other family members, even though they were a little distant. But I learned a lot. Uh, I stayed with people that my grandmother was with during World War Two. So, mm-hmm. you know, you get a different perspective on that. So at a young age, I really learned a lot. And then I love traveling. I always want to travel. I haven't, you know, ever since COVID, I've kind of not had enough time or money to travel, but I will definitely, once I get my move done to Florida, I want to start traveling again because I love it. I took a trip to China like 12 years ago, and that was an amazing trip. I always wanted to see the Great Wall in China, and I actually got to see it and stand on it. And again, we happened to be there on the uh, national holiday in China, some kind of national holiday. So there were busloads of Chinese people on the wall that day, busloads. So I was walking up this one little section that you can walk up and the people were just kind of pushing us. There were so many people just pushing and pushing and But it was an amazing time to be there. I'm like, this is great. I love it. This is way better than coming when it's only tourists. I got to see the Chinese people and they they come to their wall of China because it's historic. And it was just amazing to be there that time. I didn't plan it. It just kind of happened. But again, it taught me so much about the world and the people in it. We're all alike. We all want the same things again. So it was great. I had a great trip. But so I'll get back to traveling some more once I get settled in Florida um, uh, because traveling is so much fun. I haven't seen as much of the United States as you have, but I've seen some because my daughter was out in Arizona. So I travel with my other daughter and we went to some of the national parks while we were out there. I got to see the Grand Canyon because, again, that was on my bucket list. Everybody needs to see the Grand Canyon. So I got to see that. Um, so but in an RV, you get to see and do so much. It really I mean, not everybody has the courage to do that. But if you do, it just opens up a whole new world for you. Well, and if you do so, if you if you are single uh, boomer out there, male mm-hmm. or female, this is my personal recommendation. So my motorhome does not have what they call slide outs. You know, so so right. this this is the vehicle right here. Right. And I don't tow a car. And this is 30 feet long. And so this is my grocery vehicle. It's my travel vehicle. It's my home. And it converts from one to the other just by unplugging the electricity, unplugging the water hose, and then I'm off again. And so it's super simple. Um, Maybe it's a tiny bit more complicated than unplugging your Tesla. But um, (laughs) But not much, right? But not much. I just have to unplug the water hose. That's the only difference. Um, and um, and so I find this to be very, very uh, user friendly. And a 30 foot motorhome is great. You can slide into any you know parking lot for groceries and stuff. And right. also the um, the the mirrors on either side of the motorhome are better than in any car I've ever driven. And so when I am on the highway, I am more comfortable because I know passing from 
lane to lane that I know what's around me. And sometimes you don't know that when you're in a car, you've got blind spots. But you've you got blind to- spots. Yeah. And I've gotten ready to pull out without checking that blind spot and almost hit another car. So, yeah, you're right. Well, that's so good don't to be know. afraid. Don't be afraid. Just give it a try. Yeah. Just get the smaller one because I know those huge ones. Yeah, they're really hard. I wouldn't want to drive that. And, you know, you don't want to be paying for gas for that either going all no. over the country. So the 30 foot one is perfect. So do you have, um, well, first of all, tell our listeners how they can find you, where they can reach you. And I'll put all that in the show notes in case you're, you know, out jogging or you're doing laundry (laughs) or something so you can find it. So give us your contact information. Okay. So the easiest way to do it is go to my website, which is www, right? Three W's. Is that how we do worldwide web? www.whowearenow.us. Easy enough. So that's who we are now. Us is my okay. website. And you can find everything else from there. You can find out about the book. You can find out about me. You can go to my social media channels. If you just want to jump to a social media channel, go on Instagram and just search up Michelle Fishburn, M I C H E L L E Fishburn, F I S H B U R N E. It's that simple. And I'm known on Instagram as the happy nomad. Oh, there you go. There you go. That's great. So do you have any final words of wisdom for boomers before we go? I think I I think it's the whole be excited about the kaleidoscope. Mm-hmm. Be and even when things change and it's uncomfortable, rest assured that you're going to have the joy of getting to know a different part of yourself. There you go. And there's a lot more good times and and maybe something way better that you never even imagined for yourself. But you got to let go of that old you and be able to change. That's That's great. Great advice. Great advice. And I think we already talked about what you're doing next. You have another book coming out. And so you're going to be doing a lot of new things and you're now working. So there's lots of jobs that you can do on the road now, which is wonderful. It is wonderful. And, and the last little thing about being a nomad for us boomers who are still um, in the sandwich part of our lives between right. our parents and our kids, mm-hmm. um, because I am a nomad, I can be there when my parents need me. I can be there when my young adults need me. And I um, I don't have to say, well, wait till I have a vacation day or, uh, you know, trying to fit in a brick and mortar job with still being a mom and wanting to be a daughter and a mom. Right. And that's so important. That's great. I love it. And, you know, when your job is portable, you just take it with you. You're there to help your parents and you can work a couple hours and then go back to helping them again. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. It is wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Michelle, on Kick-Ass Boomers. You've been a really great guest. We've had a nice conversation and this was a fun topic. So we've had a lot of fun. (laughs) I had a great time. Thank you, Terry. I enjoyed being on Kick-Ass Boomers a lot. Thank you so much. This has been great. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Kick-Ass Boomers. For more information on today's guest, along with the show notes and other inspiring resources, buzz on over to kickassboomers.com. And don't forget to join our Kick-Ass community on Facebook or LinkedIn to continue the conversation. Be bold, not old.
This podcast is sponsored by Premier Podcast Productions. Let's face it, everybody loves to make podcasts and vodcasts, but nobody wants to edit them. At Premier Podcast Productions, we professionally edit and distribute podcasts and vodcasts for companies around the world. Contact us at premierpodcastpros at gmail.com.